Good morning, everyone. Blessed Easter. My friends, um, I'm going to assume that, uh, like many people, all of you, get those letters and emails. And after the holiday, I want to talk to you about something different. But you get emails uh, and letters that says, open immediately. You are the winner. <laughs> or even worse, and that one big one does this to you all the time, you may have already won $5 million. I get that, I'm like, <laughs> I finally won. And then you get, you know, 10 of them, 20 of them included that to win anything, let alone $5 million, seems too good to be true. We all know the old saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it's probably not true. We surmise from our gospel reading that this was possibly the feeling of the apostles and the disciples of Jesus regarding his resurrection. And even the women who arrived at the tomb, it seemed too good to be true. They make the assumption someone has stolen him. Mary Magdalene says that when they would taken them. And maybe this is why they were hesitant to accept the testimony, uh, however, of the women who came to tell them the, the news about the empty tomb. As we know, uh, the apostle Thomas was so incredulous that he has been given the expression for all time in our English language um, as doubting Thomas. And whenever we encounter someone who doesn't believe us or doesn't believe something, Remember, we, we usually call him, oh, Doubting Thomas. He had learned of the death of Jesus, and it was so horrible, and it seemed so final that he just could not make himself believe that Jesus had really come back to life until he actually saw and touched Jesus. And what about Judas? What made Judas betray Jesus the way he did? Speculation about that has gone on now for centuries amongst theologians and the Christian communities. Judas witnessed Jesus in the weakness of his humanity. Remember, Jesus is fully divine and fully human. And Judas was fully aware of the human part because he witnessed it. He was with them when after the journey by foot, Jesus was sweaty and tired and hungry and thirsty, just like the others. He saw Jesus dismayed by those who misunderstood his message. Frustrated by those who rejected his proclamation of the kingdom of God and that God loved them. And Judas saw him infuriated by those who profaned his father's temple. And Judas saw Jesus with tears in his eyes when he wept over the city of Jerusalem because of the sins of the people. Could this man Jesus, so obviously human, be the Messiah? For Judas, it was true, too good to be true. On Easter Sunday, we come to the church as people of faith. Right? Right? Yeah. All right, amen, disciples. We Christians believe very extraordinary things. We embrace the truth that Christ has died, Christ has risen, 
and Christ will come again, we believe that he will come to raise us from the dead because of his Paschal mystery. By dying, he destroyed our death, and by rising, he has restored our life. We praise him then as the Lord who by his cross and resurrection has set us free. All of these things should be ringing in your ear. You heard this. You know this. You are supposed to believe it. Do you? Do you believe it? Because if you do, then it impacts your life. It impacts your life every day, not just on this day. Right? It governs all that you do and say. We believe and attest to the true presence of our Lord in the Holy Eucharist, the sacrament of his Paschal mystery, the reality of his death and resurrection on our altar. It is his body given up for us and his blood poured out for us. We believe that when we eat his body and drink his blood, we are proclaiming his life-giving death until he comes again. While receiving Christ in the Holy Eucharist, we ought to hear the echo of his absolute promise. This is his words, this is his promise. You who eat my flesh and drink my blood have life everlasting. He didn't say, we'll have. He said, have life everlasting, and I will raise you up on the last day. Easter is the celebration of the life, God's life, which God has shared with each one of you and I. This is the truth of the Gospels, and this is the truth that Jesus came to proclaim. And so that we might never forget the great sacrifice of love made for you, the church does not take down or hide the crucifix on Easter Sunday, look behind me. We don't cover it. We don't hide it. We don't adorn it completely with flowers so you cannot see the corpus on it. We are not ashamed of the cross. And we are not embarrassed that Jesus Christ had to die on it. For when Jesus died, his life flowed out from him into his disciples' of all time, meaning you sitting right here. Is there anyone here who's not baptized because you would be the only one uh, who cannot claim to be his disciple? Now, there are others that are baptized that claim to be his disciples, but do not believe what he has said. Hmm. Imagine that. You the baptized, you his disciples, on the cross his life flowed out from him into all of you. When Jesus' physical life on this earth ended, his mystical life began. He gave the gift of life to his mystical body. Who might that be? Take a look around. The mystical body, for you who have not been studying, I'm referring to you, the church, the people. That's the mystical body of Christ. And he did this for all time and in all places. When Jesus was dying on the cross, 
the soldier pierced his side with a lance to make sure he was dead. Water and blood flowed from his wound, we are told in the scriptures. And Mother Church sees in this a sacramental symbol. The water symbolizes baptism, which gives us birth and new life. And the blood symbolizes the Eucharist, which nourishes us in this new life in him. Easter is a celebration of both the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Lord comes in this celebration of Easter to renew and to nourish within us the great gift of life, his divine life, that he has given to each one of us. In doing so, and in doing this, he awakens us from the deep sleep of darkness, from the sleep of despair, from the sleep of the sin that we are caught in, and finally, and most important, from the sleep of eternal death. We need to believe and have faith. God has given the great gift of faith to each one of you. We believe very extraordinary things, don't we? And we have come to know, and we have come to believe that with God, nothing is too good to be true. Amen? Amen? My friends, all this comes down to faith. According to the early testimony of St. Paul, because I know people are like, wow, you know, people could be tricked. Hmm. Jesus appeared to some 500 Christians. 1 Corinthians 15. 500. It was like going to the stadium. Jesus appeared. Hello. Guess what? I am here. I'm alive. 500. Would it be plausible for 500 people to be conspiring with what would have represented the greatest fraud in human history? And not one of those 500 people ever blew the whistle and tattled, well, it's not true. <laughs> 500, and not one of them said that, even under the penalty of death. Of course not, why? And this is what the non-believers really don't like to hear. The faith of the apostles and the disciples in Jesus Christ did not produce the resurrection, meaning in their minds. As a matter of fact, the scriptures refute it. Here we're told over and over again, they didn't believe, they didn't believe, they didn't believe, so much so that Jesus had to appear over and over and over again. He even had a barbecue on the beach for them. <laughs> I know. Your pastor has a sense of humor. I look at that and I'm like, can you imagine that? You still don't believe? There I am on the beach with the barbecue, got the fish, come on over. <laughs> you see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ produced the faith of the disciples and the apostles, not the other way around. Oh, I'm going to think it, think it, think it, think it, and it's going to come true. No, they could not believe it. They were the last ones <laughs> to believe it. 
God of love and mercy, through the paschal mystery of your Son, you have transformed all things for the believer and have kindled in their hearts the hope of eternal life. Guard this hope with your power and your grace and bring it to fulfillment in the kingdom of heaven. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now all of you here, to be a Christian is to be a person of hope. Don't you dare leave this house not with hope. I can't do anything about it, but I'll hear about it from the neighbors. Whoa, what did that pastor say? They're all moving around. <laughs> you are to be a person of hope because of the resurrection of Christ. We acknowledge that Good Friday, a day of darkness and human death, comes to everyone. So does Holy Saturday, the, that day of emptiness and sorrow. On such days, it becomes hard to believe and to maintain the faith. But Easter Sunday, amen, alleluia. Easter Sunday, a day of life, of joy, will come to each one of you also. This is his word and his promise. May the Lord then in his goodness open your minds and hearts so that you may believe the good news of his victory over all things, but of over human death. In his love for you, God draws us outwards into his life, into his eternity. We go forward more confidently and hopefully because of his promise, because of his blessed assurance, because of his love. And my friends, this becomes particularly important to hear because of the news out of Sri Lanka, the bombings of Christian churches and a hotel, the deliberate attack on Christians, over 200 dead and more injured. God draws them into himself and made what was imperfect perfect for them now. God asks us to forgive and to love those who persecute us. And it will be hard. God loves them as he loves you. But they're going to get a time out. <laughs> you know where. <laughs> I don't know where. <laughs> My friends, we will pray for our brothers and sisters in the faith who are so violently attacked and killed because they profess that Jesus Christ is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. My friends, because I have you all here regarding emails and stuff. If you get an email from Father Mark telling you that I need money and to send gift cards, yeah, no. If you get a text message saying Father Mark needs your help and to give him money, yeah, no. 
if you get an email telling you that my cell phone is broken and to call this number because I need to talk to you and I need money, yeah, no. I'm like, when I first heard that they were doing this, I'm like, dude, you, you and your little Satan fingers on the... Because they're taking advantage, not of me, but of you, God's beloved ones. And we saw what Jesus did when he went into the temple and saw people taking advantage of God's people. <laughs> he took a stick to them. <laughs> Just saying, it's in the scriptures. That's how I'm going to say But we pray for those folks who are scamming, that they will find it in their hearts to stop. Amen. God loves you. He always has. And he always will. He loves you perfectly. I am your pastor. And I love you also. But I do so imperfectly. But I continue to try to do it perfectly. Amen.